Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Bud Rebel Show, a podcast like no other. We are going to talk about some new, exciting ideas that will either make you money, lose you money, or maybe just make you think. We will have really exciting ways that you can make money in this economy that may not think about. We also will have some unique, strange facts. And we always come out with a heartwarming message at the end. Today, my special guest is Jacko. Hi, Jacko. How are you doing? How are you doing, sir? Good doing to well. see you. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Now, if I'm correct, you are a rapper. That's your profession as a whole, correct? My profession as a whole is a rapper, artist, musician. Yeah. Up to that. Now, there's a lot of rappers out there. To... So, how do you stand out in a market of many rappers? And I'm not one of them. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Um, me personally, <clears throat> I choose to make stories about myself and the experiences that I've had because I assume that everybody has their own experiences and the commonalities that we can find when you just be honest is a uh, interesting. Yeah. It's actually probably like therapeutic a little bit. You get some of these emotions out of your system and that help away. So when did you start doing this? Uh, as a hobby, I started when I was about seven or eight, but I started really taking it seriously about 19. When you first started, was there anybody you specifically looked up to and who gives you a feel like you should do this now even today? There's a rapper called Tech Nine. He's uh, the one of the most prolific artists I've ever seen. Uh, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been around since the late 80s, early 90s, and he's still touring to this day. And the thing is with rap, you know, basically the beat is the biggest thing with it, right? I mean, not just the lyrics, but you have to find the right beat. Most definitely, most definitely. And how do you find that? Where does it come from? For me, it's a, a lot of feel. And you, of feel. When you're rapping, when you're doing this whole, the beat, and you have the music, you get the beat first, or you get the lyrics first? How does that work? It really depends. Sometimes I go find the beat. Sometimes I have something to get off my chest, jot it down, and then I try to find the beat afterwards. Now, someone wants to get in this business. Let me get you how this happened for you. You start, you're like nine years, you said you're nine years old, you said you said first? Seven, seven, seven years old, yeah. Okay. Seven, nine, two, young. <laughs> so you start out, you have a song, in your, your words in your head to rap, and you put this to the lyrics, and what happens with that one, the first one? The first one, I actually showed my parents. They were not pleased with the lyrical content. <laughs> so that kind of dampened the, uh, the spirits a little bit. But I understood what they were saying. It's uh, not appropriate for kids to be saying certain things on a song. So you're starting on your studying. You get this, you know, parents, which is normal. Uh, don't want you to do this in that exactly by the way. <laughs> and then as you get older, then you get to a certain age, you say you're going to do this. You said, and I was about 19, but I'm going to do this during high school, like yeah, after high school. After high school, yes. And when you decide to do this, I'm... I'm I guess you would have a little bit back negative feedback about doing this again with the same family or uh... yeah most definitely uh, I'm Filipino so filial piety is still kind of a thing in, in that society and uh, we came from the old world so uh, that was a bit of a learning curve how to explain to them that this was possible you, you mentioned a certain word that I can't pronounce what were you saying again Phil filial, filial piety filial piety oh I got that very good okay so what does that mean for the what audience oh uh, that's uh, sort of like uh, 
a hierarchical patriarchy within the f uh, familial unit. Okay, and so you were going against it to some degree. Is that Most definitely, yes. Okay, so that was that was controversial. So you're being a little rebel. Now, you know the bud side of the show is always trying not to be over the top, not to be like a jerk about it. I mean, like, there was a guy that performed the Grammy once, Sam Smith, I think it is, who was, I thought was over the top. I mean, it's, it's good to be controversial, but not be a jerk. Right. So how do you, do you, I mean, you balance that, I believe, as an artist. You don't try to, like, just throw, throw things in the face or to be a jerk. I try it. my best. Right. <laughs> you never really, once you put something out there, you're You know, some people are going to be hurt by it. Yeah. It's going to happen because you're honest, but you just don't want to just throw Purposefully, yes. Yeah, so you're malicious. Yeah. And so now you get out at 19, how did, what happened? How does, it, how does this whole thing develop? Well, what it really started was, I'm really thankful because uh, Rockland County in general is so artistically inclined and there are so many avenues that someone can pursue just even as a hobby i mean i started um going to this bar in nyack i believe it's called olives i okay. could be wrong i, I think it's all jazz there's, a, there's like an open mic thing that they had on wednesdays and when i was younger i would go with my friends and we'd go up there and perform just getting used to being in front of an audience because yeah, I, I heard there's a competition between rappers that like almost like, a, like almost like I would say a boxing match between them. I don't know if that actually is occurring where you try to outdo the other person. Is that actually occurring? That's uh, that's called, called like a battle rap. Yeah, that, that would be. That, you, that's kind of the thing. Yes. Are you? Do you do that also? I I do not. Uh, okay. That's more. Um, <clears throat> when I was younger, uh, that was kind of like a schoolyard thing that you know, you want to be a rapper. Everybody wants to be a rapper, so you kind of come together and you know. Without throwing any punches, you have to throw punches. No, yeah, just just words at each other. Right, like, right, yeah. right. And that actually that happened to you when you were growing up a little bit, or not too much? Uh, not too much, but I do remember. A no Eminem feel then. Okay. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no be rabbit. No. So you're telling me a lot of this music is very personal, and I don't want okay. to put you in the spot, but can you tell us a story about somehow the music helped you get through a difficult time, or told a story that is a little more touching, you might say, to the audience? Sure, uh, most definitely. There was um, my <clears throat> my parents got into a car accident, pretty bad. Um, awesome. Yeah, um, a few years ago, and uh, the doctors weren't sure if my mother was gonna be able to walk again. Wow, that's scary. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I wrote a song about uh, the accident. Not really about, because I wasn't there. It was just uh, them two in the car. And it was, um, it was a way for me to process my emotions during that really difficult time. Right. So yeah. Have you also wrote songs about relationships that you've been through, the good and the bad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some, some exes probably would not like those songs, maybe? Yeah, yeah most of those aren't now. Well, this brings me to my first idea, by the way. So, right. Idea, maybe idea music. Okay. Um, so what I was thinking about is we make a lot of decisions of the way people look. Mm -hmm. this, I can't imagine this doesn't exist. This is so bizarre to me. When you make decisions on the way people look instead of what's inside, that's not always the smartest way to do it. So this would be called literally the blind dating service. Okay. And you would not know what the person's looking like. Wow, you would just like find out what they were about, what music they like, what you would say. Mm -hmm what they like to do the weekends, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, all this data mm -hmm. without their general looks. I mean, you might get a general appearance. I don't want someone who's 
like 500 pounds. Maybe, I mean, I mean, just general okay. things, you know, maybe you don't want someone six feet, but you would not know what they look like. Matter right. of fact, your first date when you meet them, it would be in a dark restaurant where you wouldn't see each other. You would just talk to each other. That's in interesting. Yeah, I think it was like a cool idea because I think a lot of people's way they judge is and everything, when I think this, like all these dating sites is the first thing you're flipping through pictures of people. Yeah, yeah. And you just don't even know what's between them. Mm-hmm. And also, you could have a bad hair day when you take that picture. <laughs> right. So I'm like, that could be something really cool about doing something like that. I think that's really interesting. Thank you, thank you. Now, I know we've been talking a little bit, so I'm thinking about maybe having a drink. But since the economy is not so good, we're going to have to choose one versus the, the other. Sure. We got here a Stets, I don't pronounce it, it's right, Stets Blueberry Pomegranate or Peach. Since you're our guest, which one do you open? Mm. Right? Tough decision. Yeah, this is a tough decision. I think I'm going to go with peach. All right, this is it. We're going with the peach. All right. Because I think you know, it's important to have a chance to have something to drink. Thank you, sir. There you go. Yeah. Enjoy. Salud. Salud. I think it's a good choice. Very good choice. I'm going to take this. Very good. Nice speech by you. Maybe one day they'll sponsor us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, when you talk about your music, going back to your music as a whole, yes, sir. anytime there's anything with like current events, anything that you focus on, some issues that bring you to, that have uh, any music with that? Most definitely, yeah. Um, I really dislike the state of America when it comes to uh, guns and gun violence. Okay. Especially in regards to children. And uh, I'm very passionate about that. And I think something more needs to be done. And I'm not saying that my music is the more that needs to be done. Well, what kind of things are you for with the cons? Because again, I, you know, that's a very interesting point. This is why I want to show, I like to have a quote the Blood Rebel show. We can have a nice conversation without going too far and getting people upset, hopefully. But no, but, but we'll actually discuss it because I'm very into the Second Amendment. Right. I think that's the reason that in World War II, the Japanese didn't actually invade yes, our country. Definitely. Yes. And I also, you know, I watch shows like Yellowstone, and I realize also there's some people that live near these areas right. where the animals can hurt them, or people come in the middle of the night, you never know. So it's a very tricky situation. Most definitely. And at the same time, like you said before, there are illegal guns and gangs coming in, people that have mental health issues. Right. So it's a hard balancing. So let's say you were, quote, the leader of this type of issue. What, what do you think should be done on that type of issue? That's a very deep and nuanced question that can un- that can't really be unraveled in a few words because you'd have to go into a lot of specifically socioeconomic issues that lead people to do the things that they do. Mental health in, in America is and the healthcare system that treats them is also an entire mess. But if I could like wave a magic wand, <laughs> that would um, essentially stop shootings in schools. That's essentially what I would do. Yeah, you know, I once said, I don't know if I brought this up on a podcast a, a while ago, but I'll repeat myself if I did, I apologize. I had a good solution I thought for that. Actually, I brought it up to someone who's working in Congress. Well, yeah. You have those, how do I, the ones in the sky, not the balloons, the other guys that fly in the sky. When right. you, you know what I'm talking about? The, what are we talking about? The ones that fly in the sky, that the little planes that, broke, that could fly, um, this is where it's throwing me off. Someone, oh, someone's TV show will Come on. Come on, someone outside. Right there, it, flies, it flies in the sky. Oh. It's a small little plane. Okay, everyone. 
A what? jet? Senna fighter jet? No, a little plane. The one that wasn't like a plane, a little little thing to take pictures and stuff. Drone? A drone, thank you. A drone. Okay, yes. Thank okay. you. <laughs> yeah. You have a drone that flies in the sky. Right. And what it's there's a bad person, it warns them to stop, stop. And if they go any further, it shoots a taser and knocks them out. It actually watches someone coming to the school or a big center, public mm-hmm. arena. Right. It's watching them. It's t- it, it can take the person down, let's say. If they are, you know, disturbing. So of course, we have to make sure the government isn't doing that. Right, yeah, right, right. right, right. Maybe it's run by a private company, mm-hmm. but this would secure locations from bad people coming in very quickly to take the bad person out. You know, and I thought that was a, an interesting concept to solve a problem. Yeah. You know, I I haven't found anything else out like that. I mean, because bad people can always get guns. Yeah. You know, like bad, like we we made drugs illegal. Oh yeah, no, no, that's, that's and, we, and we still have heroin coming through. We still have fentanyl coming. Like, I mean, no, it's horrible. So I'm just wondering, how do we stop, we, I don't think, 100 million times, how do we stop it logically? And I think the logically way to do it is, one, you go focus, focus on those, quote, bad people that are All the energy goes in that. The drug dealers, mm-hmm. other people. And you make sure those people go to jail, mm-hmm. you know, and stay in jail, right. you know, for that thing. And that would, you, that's where your energy has to be, not on the average Joe Schmo. That's, mm-hmm. that, and it's not a gun, like the gun doesn't go out and shoot people, it's a tool. Most so the most thing is that make sure the tool is not in the wrong hands. Being misused by the wrong people. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so if people want to listen to your music, by the way, is it on Spotify? Is how it, how it's it? on SoundCloud right now, yeah. Okay. And and how do you promote it? How do you promote your music? Right? Again, there's so much out there. How do you get your, out there, further out there? Ooh. See, that's, that's actually what uh, I've been struggling with the most, is uh, trying to build and cultivate an audience, not just for a project, but for the longevity of a career. And I found myself kind of treading the same steps over and over again. You flood your social medias with your upcoming project, drop a couple freestyles, drop a couple videos here and there, and then you drop the project. And you let the project rise as, as much as it can rise, as much as your audience will let it rise. And uh, that the afterwards is the part that I've been having some trouble with, actually, is a, how do I maintain that attention for longer than just the project? Right. Yeah. And I think I think bring up a good point, because it's building up the suspense, building up the momentum, people get excited about it, and then it pops. It's an interesting... You know, and then to keep it going is a hard part, especially when there's so many, there's so much content out there Mm -hmm. that it's hard to keep it going. I think some of the things people say is like, I guess it's working with other artists is a whole too helps out. Have you done that as well? Working with other artists, um, I worked with producers, different producers. Usually, they've been my friends from way back in the day, and they are phenomenal producers. So I've I've worked with them in the past, and they do great work. Uh, One of my Best friends, uh, Josue the Luna. He produced my Through the River and Over the Trees um, album. And that's the best work I've done thus far. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, yeah. it's networking with friends. It's the, nice the, to the collaboration is really what, what really brought that to the next level, in my opinion. You travel to different places? Have you been all over? And... Oh, I've been to a few places. I wouldn't say all over, but <laughs> I've been to a few places, yes. And as a Philip person with Filipino background, it's your rap a little different based on that background it's a different angle it's like you had your culture background would you say yeah uh it's i think it focuses a lot more on uh family 
actually. As much as I skewed from that in my past, I think that I, uh, I bring a lot of my family into my music. So, what, Jago, what is your most, let's say, little rebellious side? I mean, and again, I'm just trying to, like, do you have like a unique quality in, in the world that you do things a little different, or a different experience that you want to share with the audience that no one else would know about? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, yeah. Um, it was a, it was a Halloween night, probably eight years ago. This was the night that, um, so let me preface this by saying that I've been sober for a few years now. And my sobriety has been very, uh, very important to me, very important to my family, very important to people that are close to me. And I love it, but I also love drugs, which is why I was an addict. Mm. And the the night that I decided, hey, maybe this is this isn't the way I want to go with my life, was that Halloween night, probably like eight years ago. Um, I was with a group of friends, and we were inside the house, deciding to throw a party. It's Halloween, why not, right? So we decided to go procure things for this party. And we found a very large quantity of, of funny enough, bud. <laughs> and um, we decided that it wasn't enough for a party, but it was enough if we were to turn it into brownies. And so we made a bunch of brownies with the bud. This is not the type of bud I have, by the way. No, 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 Nothing in your stomach, plus, and and but's not inherently bad, right? Like there's actual things for it that you can use now. It's great for anxiety and stuff like that. But this was not that. It was completely. It was abuse, right? Mix that with LSD and cocaine and mushrooms, wow. and I found myself in a clearing in the woods, losing my mind. Legitimately, like I was fractured mind, didn't know where I was, didn't know what I was doing, what is the meaning of life, staring into the sky. And it was freezing. It was freezing. So mm. I was not supposed to be outside. Wow. Lying in the in a field of grass, just staring into the sky, like, what does the world mean? And it wasn't until those same friends came looking for me and pulled me back into the house, warmed me up, got tried to get me sober, that I realized that this was not the life that I was trying to live, that this was not conducive to productivity, that they, I wasn't going to get anywhere as a rapper, let alone a human being, if I kept down this path. So that was my... That's, yeah, that's a pretty... Uh, yeah. that's, and, and did you do this when you decided to go so, sober? Did you decide, did you quit everything? And you did you go to a program for a while? Or did I you... went cold turkey for most of it. Um, and I had a lot of help from some family friends with 
the withdrawals of certain things. I'll say that. Can you, when you first started using, what did it, was it the first experience of speaking with your friends and they were using it? Did you want to try? Is that how this no, happened? No, I went out seeking it myself, yeah. I mean, I, I got another personal reflection in a different way. Because when I was in college, I was the one person, I think, that just say no actually worked. <laughs> because, but it was true, like, I had roommates, they were, like, using marijuana every single day, right. and they were laughing at the TV, but the TV wasn't even on. Yeah. They were just sitting like idiots, and I knew the word dope. It was just, I like these guys, are cool, but they were dope, they were just dumb, they were just wasting time. And I just... It just made me not want to do it at all. And the biggest thing that, it, I, and my biggest thing that made me not want to do it more than anything else, honestly, is that they always say that you're giving a bad person a bullet. Yeah. That they're using to hurt an innocent person. So those are the things that innovative, you know, stop me from even trying it. I mean, it was, there's always that curiosity because people like, but I'm just like, I don't want to give this bad guy a bullet. But, so you're- It's so a great perspective. Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, it's, I know, well, when I see about fentanyl and all that stuff, you know, it started out with small stuff, you know? So it just really upsets me because um, I know people that have passed away on that drug, but also the people in the street that I know that are getting hurt. You know, just it hurts. It comes to my heart. But so you actually sorted out. Like so, there was like a certain missing something missing in your life. I guess right. You yeah. Felt, yeah. Was it like a family type thing? You felt like lonely. Felt confused. What was well, it? I just felt that um, nobody really understood me, and nobody took the time to. Did you start lighting a few months? Did you start like marijuana and then? No, I saw cigarettes. Oh, cigarettes. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, funny. Okay. And then, and then that was then that wasn't that wasn't that was yeah, that was yeah that moved on to alcohol and pot and then eventually progressed into hard because you kept going you want to get you want to get you want to get high that yeah I wasn't getting it wasn't really about getting high it was about finding something something that a way for people to understand me and it was it was through that avenue that I found that people could understand me. It's interesting because one of the things now as an artist. Your art is what you now yep. motivates you probably to do things, you know? And that's a big thing. And that's, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to come out of that. And we, God willing, you'll keep staying strong with it because, you know, it's a, it's a tough battle, as you know. Like you even said, which is really an honest answer. You, the, the drugs, you know, are a good feeling. Yeah. So now that you can always, you feel like, and there must be an inclination that can go back and try it sometimes mm -hmm. and not be addicted, but you know how bad it is. Yep. You, so there's always that battle within us as a whole, you know? Going back to your roots as a Filipino person in some degree, yeah, sure. the na the current events that I came up, it was the um, Black National Anthem. And me, I, I thought about that mm -hmm. as a person of Jewish descent. And I really, I never liked people stereotyping me or expecting me to certain people. With, with the Jewish people, it's the Holocaust. I mean, Holocaust, Holocaust, Holocaust. You know? So, what, you know, as a Philippine person, you know, you're American. Yes, sir. And sometimes I don't. I feel like you don't want to be. You're proud of your heritage. That's who you are. Of course. But but being American, like when the national anthem plays, all of a sudden, everybody stands, backgrounds. You know, black, white, Jew, Christian. Everybody stands together. It's one time all united. And I wouldn't want a Jewish national anthem or another. Anthem. I just want one time that we all we all stand together. And I so I, when I saw this black national anthem, I just thought myself. They would say, put yourself in your other person's shoes. I would be upset. I would say, why are we doing this? Why do we have to separate my people with other people? I don't, I, I mean, again, there's a lot of pride, there's a lot of stuff, but this is not the time that we separate. And so yeah. that's what I thought about it. I don't know how you felt about that as a whole anyway. I, for the most part, agree. Yeah, I'm quite proud of being Filipino, but I'm also proud to be uh, an American. So, but I can also, 
see why someone would want a separate national anthem. There is a lot of trauma that is associated with being an American, and some people don't really want to align with that. And I think... But, you know, this is one thing. It was one game, one time, and I think that we all... It's important that we come together. I mean, there's so many different ways we can separate. And I think that, that one of the things that's very interesting in history, great countries are become non-great countries, fall apart totally, when we all divide into little pieces. You, you don't get conquered when you conquer within. And so it's a, it's a very, it, well, all these divisions that are really strong in this country right now, I don't know how long we're going to stay united. This, uh, last week we actually had a, we had a person from Divide New York, and there's an example, it, it might just divide in three pieces because people just get so tired of like losing out and not respecting your views. And so we keep dividing, you know, eventually this is not going to be one country. We're going to be, and, and that's when the enemy takes over. Right. You know? By the way, I have to comment. You have so many tacks. <laughs> first of all, is it like, what? Yeah, I always wondered about this. It's a big expense, tattoos. Isn't it? How much money do you put into tattoos? Oh, when you think about actually, it. Some of, them were, some of them were free. Okay, free is not a bad deal. Yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> what was your first tattoo? Uh, it was my mom's name on my chest. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's right. Mom likes that one. Oh, that yeah. was the only one that I could get away with at the time. So. <laughs> now, how many tattoos do you have now? I stopped counting. <laughs> and, and so are they all of your body? Yeah. They are? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, you could be buried in a Jewish graveyard this one. No, no sorry. <laughs> no, no. And so I got to convince the And um, you're, you're from Rockland County. You've yeah. been born in Rockland County. No, you were born in the Philippines. Born in the Philippines, yep. At what, at what age did you move? I uh, moved to America when I was five in the Yonkers. You were moved to, yeah, you moved to the Yonkers. Yonkers. Yep. So you were five years old. Do you have any memories of the Philippines being there and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, a lot of a lot of family gatherings, a lot of birthdays. I grew up on a little farm. Oh wow, yeah. a different world yeah. itself. And did you feel any, you know, difficulty moving here initially? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, when I was younger, the way that uh, all my elders and everybody that described America, I thought the streets were paved with gold, man. <laughs> I thought this place was. The land of opportunity, right? Just right for the picking. You can grab anything off the street, make money off it. When I got here, uh, we came to the country. I was in uh, tank top and flip flops, and it was February. <laughs> oh my God! I saw it. I saw it. We went My thankful my grandparents were there with winter clothes uh -huh. to pick us up from the airport. <laughs> but seeing snow for the first time, I was like, "Yeah, what?" Is that man? <laughs> I've seen water buffalo. I've seen all this other stuff. I don't know what that is, and I wanted to dive in it. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. But now, so and, and culturally, the biggest difference in the Philippines and the United States. What would you say is the biggest difference? I mean, you, you know, you, you moved when you were five years old, but I mean, can you remember like differences in terms of culture or in terms of culture? Uh, probably that would be a split between. Religion and, like I said before, feel like a piety. I think those are the two things. Okay. It's very patriarchal in the Philippines stuff. And, and, and you would say, if I want to go to a good Philippine restaurant, what's, what's my dish I need to eat? Oh, this question. This question, <laughs> this question is there's so many good things, but I would definitely, as a litmus test for any good Filipino restaurant, I would get either... Adobo of any kind. If they have chicken adobo, pork adobo. That's chocolate with like the adobos and chocolate sauce? Not, it's not really chocolate. It's not traditionally chocolate. We can't yeah. with chocolate. But it's, it's, ooh, it's soy sauce, vinegar, uh, 
a citrus of some kind, of any kind, lime, lemoncito, whatever you like. Yeah. It, it's very um, plug-and-play Filipino food. So that, and what's the drink they have in the Philippines that's different? Halo-halo. Halo-halo. Halo-halo or... Yeah, it's like a dessert drink. It's like an iced... It's shaved ice with condensed milk, fruit, and red beans. Red beans. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the kicker. That's the rebel I'm on. <laughs> so I gotta be a whole... I said a halo halo. Halo halo. Okay, we're gonna get a halo halo next week. Next <laughs> week we're trying to get some halo halos here. That'd be very good. That sounds very interesting. Okay, yeah, the weird fact today. Do you know cats have 32 muscles in their ears? 32 muscles? 32 muscles in their ears. So they can move their ears individually. Is <laughs> that really? like, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Wow, so that's why they can do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 32 muscles. Oh, yeah, right. so I thought it was a little cool, freaky. I gotta, I, I gotta, for next, next podcast, but then I looked at the quietest place in the world. There's a place in Missouri that people, it's so quiet that people only want to stay there for 45, maximum 45 minutes, they go crazy. It's, there's no noise at all. And what you hear is your heartbeat. And, and it just drives people crazy. After 45 minutes, they cannot, they just, they just can't do it. 45 minutes? That's the maximum. Really? That's the maximum someone's ever been able to stay in that place without going crazy. Because it's, you're hearing how? Hear, it's because it's you just hear like your, your heartbeat, you, hear, you just can't, it's, it's so quiet. They can't, people can't survive. That's like the opposite of what I would think it would be like. Because it's so, if it's so quiet, wouldn't it just be like, ah, oh, finally, peace, surrender. Right, right. But it's, it's almost like, and look, this was an episode I saw on TV where everything's so quiet, and then the water dropped, dropped, dropped. So it's that. <laughs> okay, okay, so okay, okay, I can that, see where you come from. Yeah. Okay, I need a rebound show. I'm watching Yellowstone series three. It's not getting me. I'm just like, I'm gonna take a break. You know, like a, you get a rebound. Right, right, right. Woman, that a man, whatever you know, relationship. Because right now I need a break. I got something in between. Any thoughts? I'm really into the Last of Us right now. Last of Us. Where's that on? That's on HBO. Last of Us. What's that about? It is based on a video game about a like a fungal infection that takes over the world, takes over people's bodies. It oh, really? Yeah, it's like a zombie. It's not a zombie, but not a zombie. Oh, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so because a while ago, every zombie show, does that happen to, I don't know, probably is, they really tell you where the zombies come from. Yeah. This is my concept. Right. This is the yeah. one. The Ouija boy. Ooh. Okay, it's tied to the computer. Okay. So it's like, it sends an electric impulse out to all this, the grave signs. Right. So because you're already, you're already yeah, trying to retain the dead, you're already talking about the dead, and then you're them all up out of the grave. That's pretty cool. I didn't do that. Not as dead. Yeah, I was just like putting that whole thing together. I mean, there's so many zombie shows out there. So many like it's it's there's a horror like a horror itself. Yeah. You got your zombies. You got your vampires. You got your serial killers. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a new movie that's my hat, which is is focused on. A different type of horror, which is the end of times. So it's a different kind of concept about what's going to happen at the end of times. I think it's a whole new genre in this world that they haven't really touched I mean, on. It's horror. In horror. In horror. Right. I mean, they talk about it like in, I guess, Christian philosophy, so forth, but in the sense of like horror type things, it's, it's very different. Going to that angle, I know that the Philippines is a very strongly 
religious community. Very, very Catholic very, based. Very Catholic, but we do have a very large uh, Muslim population uh, in the southern part of the Philippines. So the town area, yeah. I, if I'm right, like, tell me if I'm wrong, I think it's some people that take the Christianity to really a, such a strong amount that they, they put themselves on a cross. So they, yes. They do that. Yes, that is have that you ever seen that? No, no I, have, I have not seen that. So that they, they actually put themselves on a cross for a certain period. They do the whole... Yeah, they go through the entire stages. They get... They take it down. They get taken down eventually. Every, everything, yeah. Even through the nails, through the hands, everything. It's, it's, it's like permanent thing now. Like it's... Mark. The, the mark is there permanently, yeah. Wow, that's it's very very intense. Very intense. Yeah, it's the word I describe as well. Those are people really dedicated to the. Uh, I, yep. That's why the most dedicated Christians I know. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Not that one. No. Uh, Do you know any family members that have done that? I've done that. Not person. Not that I know of. They might have, but I. It's is it that? It's a, is it a pretty big movement? I know. Is it a big movement or is it a small movement in the Philippines? You no, know, that happens pretty regularly around smaller communities, and it's a widespread thing. People know about it. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty deep. Pretty deep. Now, in these difficult times, as we're sharing one of these drinks, people always ask me how to make money. So I've been talking about stock tips and stuff like that, but I think it's a little different. Not different, different. A little level. Um, I'm talking about collections. And you know, you have your coin collections, right. you have stamp collections, mm -hmm. but also you have these limited edition things. Yeah. And so one of the things that even the cereal boxes they have, uh, I, yeah, like, yeah. they have like the movies that come out, mm -hmm. and you like collect the cereal box with a limited edition. You know, you know that basic economy theory is supply and demand. Yeah. So when it first comes out with this quote limited edition, right. the supply is probably a lot. Mm -hmm. But if it's a cereal box, most people are not going to save the cereal yeah. box. So you're going to talk to Exactly. Yeah. So if you save the candy, I mean, other, the rats don't get into it. But if you save these things with limited editions, eventually they're not going to come out again. And you have that, that thing that could be worth something. You know, I don't know. I've saved things for a long period of time. And so I'm going to wonder one day if uh, either if it's going to be worth it, we'll see about it. But I think yeah. the supply and demand is a big part of the whole nine yards. Yeah, most definitely, especially with collectibles and things like that because those are like you go with like i don't know much about cereal boxes but i i'm into pokemon cards a pokemon yeah. Card. yeah you know what like that's yeah. that's pretty still pretty big right yeah it's it's got a decent following still um me personally i just like i'm into the games and i was into the games when i was a kid didn't know there was a card game i was into Yu-Gi-Oh before that <laughs> and i got into the card game you know that's pokemon that tortured me as a father really <laughs> I, had, I had to go to those movies Every step I can. They were horrendous. I'm sorry, <laughs> Digimon fans. Literally horrendous. And I, I feel you. That. I feel you. And that's when you know you're a good father. You almost have And you sit there and you watch that. Yep. I, yeah, that was, that was torture. I, I, I don't know if you ever watch it now. But it's interesting because you know, I know somebody as a collection did baseball cards. Oh, yeah, no. There's some serious money in that. And stuff. he made enough wow. money to go to college. That's what got him to college. That is impressive. But now, that's a trick though. I don't think baseball is as big. I don't think sports is as big as they used to be. I don't know if the collections that were as powerful then or as powerful now. Maybe. Maybe fans that are big, but it's you know interesting how that yeah. changes. Like, I, I think I point, I don't know, you're saying though, like Digimon, all the cards, they're still pretty popular, right? There's still a big market for that. I mean, people still, still love them to this day. I mean, they're still coming out with shows. I haven't seen them, but I know that they're still, still, still coming there. out, so there's hype going. You know, and you do this when you're a young, young person, right? Yeah. Because I remember, this is what's funny about that when you bring that up, because with the kids' shows, they seem to change, even though little kids 
Don't, they weren't around when the little kid show. Right. There was Barney the dinosaur. Okay. He was, had a big fad. Yeah. And now you don't think Barney the dinosaur. Now, the, the, the kids today, would they be like, oh, Barney the dinosaur, he's not cool. I don't like him anymore. I mean, how do they know like what's going to be popular? Little kids. I can understand little kids. I don't know, man. There might be the phones in their hands before they well, can learn how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> cousin, he knows how to do this way quicker than he learned how to oh, do anything else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so... Where are we gonna see you like for five years from now? What's you if you had a dream of what you would perform, what you'd be doing, what would it be? Five years from now, I would really be hope to expanding my how would I describe it? Expand my reach to farther than the East Coast. Because that's where like yeah. I look at my analytics and it's mainly concentrated in the East Coast, New York, upstate. I'd like to expand probably farther down south and obviously into the west. And, and is this your prime way of making a living? The, uh, no, sir. What else do you do? No, know. sir. It's actually, I, I buy and sell, <laughs> I buy and sell Pokemon. Oh, my gosh. You know, That's very funny. So anybody needs Pokemon cards, you know where oh, to find you. Boy, man. Boy. <laughs> it, by the way, so people want to keep track of what you do and what they see what you do. How can they find that? Oh, they can find me on Instagram at Psychodelic Nightmare. Psychedelic nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's a little long. Yeah. A little shorter. Okay. <laughs> and anywhere else? Yeah, on SoundCloud at Jackie V the Creech. And also if they're into now these cards, where can they see that? If they want to trade cards. Uh, they can go on Mercari right now at Ehap, E H A P. You can find me on there. Working on a site for these cards. I got y'all don't even worry about <laughs> How many cards do you have right now, by the way? Oh man, I have not taken inventory in a minute, but I have a lot. I have uh, those, uh, you know when you get fired out of a job and you got a, that, the tray? <laughs> yeah, I have about three of those filled with cards just stacked on top of each other. And now, when you're trading cards, okay, you're trading one card for the other card. When you sell, that's what you do, right? You mm -hmm. trade? Yeah, I, well, I, sell, I buy, sell, and trade. So you have to be careful what you sell oh, yeah. worth. Oh, yeah. There's a whole yeah. make sure you don't sell it. You try to sell it as high as you can, of course. As high as you can. It really depends on what you because sometimes uh, you throw on a card as a sweetener and you because you want maybe there's a uh, a binder full of uh, late mid to late nineties cards that aren't around anymore that don't print anymore. And guy wants these three cards that are brand new. So you might throw those in just because with some money just to get the and, but you, you ever sell a card and then come back and say, oh man, that card was worth it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, sold a, I sold a Blaziken Hollow for 50 bucks. I had no idea what it was worth until a couple weeks later I checked the listings on, uh, there are these sites that you can check card listings on. Shout out to two hundred dollars mm. for that one card. Is that the most expensive the card that you're looking at? What's the most expensive card right that now? I have right now. Oh, yeah. And what's the most expensive card that you know that's available? How high do they go? Oh, insanely high. There's a, I think it's called the Illustrator Pikachu. That thing can go for anywhere to thirty to one hundred thousand dollars. Wow. So how many do you have? Oh, I don't. Have any. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if I had that, I, I even know Pikachu. I remember Pikachu. Yeah, I do remember him. Yeah. But what's your what's your most expensive card? If you the most expensive card that I sold or I have right now. Either way, either both. Uh, I don't. I guess I haven't had an inventory in a minute, so I don't know which one's the most expensive. But the most expensive card I've sold so far was a oh, what was the 
was like three drops ago. There was a there was a there were three Rayquaza. It's a there's a whole thing where there's like different tiers of uh, rarity, but there was one that sold for twelve fifty. Twelve one thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. One card. Yeah, one card. So that card really kept in very good shape. Yeah. <laughs> and you you've been saving this how long have you been doing this for? Uh, I just started. Actually, it was during the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, this one all, that's when it all started. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so this is fairly new, basically. Yeah, yeah, what you, yeah so that's, so you just, and you decide, I'm just gonna do this card, so you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what I know how to do. I like this stuff, so why not? And how much time does it take to do this during the day? So? A good amount of time. Really? A good amount of time, yeah. You gotta go online and see what the, thing, the cards are going for and people are like, Yeah, it's a lot of research, and once you get the product in, you have to sort it out. You have to take pictures, post them. It's, it's, it's a it, lot it, of work. There's, there's like a work. one website that, is it one website you have to put these cards on? The many websites? Uh, there are a few websites that you can put it on, but I just focus on one, one website at a time right now because the market's so big there. And is there like fake cards out there? Oh, yeah. How do you I'm know they're fake? I've gotten a few fakes. Oh, really? I've a few fakes, yeah. And how do you know I'm if they're fake? ripped off, I got all of it. Wow, wow. So, yeah, and you like so you would pay for the card. You pay for the card in advance? In advance, yes. And if if the deal isn't in person, so if it's, if it's oh, an online sure. commerce thing, right. if it's in person you go to a trade show, that's different. But if you're in like if you're doing it all online, you have to pay up front and then the person sends you the card and sometimes you open the pack and it's not a card at all and it's an empty so yeah, what happens? You have, is there a site that you can find that this company? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you, you, you get your money, money back. Oh, oh yeah, you get your money back. All right, that's, so that goes on. That goes on a lot of the market. I guess. Oh, yeah. And I mean, talking about the, how many people involved in this this whole thing? Like, millions, thousands, of what is I it? couldn't even tell. It's all over the world. I yes, guess. it's all over the world. There's different markets for different kinds of cards. I mean, there's a whole. You have to remember, like, like the cards that I deal with are mostly. English cards, but right. there's a whole market for Japanese cards, like French cards, like everything, and the rarity changes there. But I just stick to to what I know and what I have. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, I always bring this part up at the, the show also on a different level. Is that leadership? You know, the election coming up in 2024. I I wanted to get your opinion. What do you think a personal leader, a person who wants to be a leader? should have what qualities. And I'm gonna start with one that I think is very important. And I think a leader should be someone who could personally reflect on themselves. That he knows that they learn, like me right now, I'm learning now, I'm not speaking at all. <laughs> somebody who's able, <laughs> somebody who's able to look at what they're doing and change on the key or change later on and analyze themselves before they analyze the world. That's what I'm thinking. What's your thoughts on that? I yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I think um, listening is a under underrated leadership quality. I think is being able to listen to not just the people around you that tell you what's good and what's not good, but be able to listen to everybody and be able to take in that information and do something positive for the most amount of people with that. That's interesting you put out listening because there's two different listening. It says listening to my words and listening to the words, the emotions behind the words. A lot of times we listen to the words, but we don't really, because sometimes the words are not exactly what it said. Sometimes it's actually how someone feels behind the words. And it's very yeah. hard to do that because people don't, aren't as transparent as they sometimes want you to think they are, you know? Yeah. And they don't even know. Not you know, so yeah. if you can read into someone, really listen. A little deeper, 
Again, again, that's I think maybe that's one of the things too as a as a leader you should try to do, you know? Try to get that. Maybe lift our pubic skills again. <laughs> a little, yeah, a little, little bit, bit, a little bit, yeah. I wanna always I like to end my show with always a great note or a hopeful note. Like a lot of times what you feel like in life, you're doing all this work and a friend near you, your partner's doing nothing, you're just sitting there like this saying, Hey, why am I doing this? You're just it just feels annoying, you know. I'm cleaning the dishes, I'm putting the food away, I'm doing going go to work, things are doing and the person next to you just says one thing and they make a big deal about it. The truth is, we are all working for God. Because in the end of times, or in any of these times, we walk up to heaven's gate. And God is not going to judge us by what the other person did. They're going to judge you for what you did. And maybe this is a little test. So the idea is you have to work as hard as you can for a higher purpose, you might say. And try not ref to reflect on what the other person is doing. And you'll be off a lot better off. Thank you so much for joining us. And we want to thank you so much for joining us. And may God bless you with another great week. Take care.